gather together in praise and honor for a perfect father. We give you the praise you do. We give you the praise you do. Let's offer our whole hearts today. Let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. And it changes everything We sing with all we are And we claim your victory Let it rise Let praise arise We'll see you break down every wall We'll watch the giants fall You cannot survive when we the God of breakthroughs on our side, forever lift Him high. With all creation cry, God, we praise You. Whoa, we praise You. Whoa, we praise You. Let faith be the song that overcomes the raging sea. Let faith be the song that calms. Inside of me, we'll let it rise. Let faith arise. We'll let it rise, yes. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. We cannot survive when we praise you. The God breakthroughs on our side. Forever lift him We'll let it be known This is what living looks like This is what freedom feels like This is what heaven sounds like We praise you This will let it be known This is what living looks like This is what freedom feels like This is what heaven sounds like We rejoice in your presence, Lord This is what living looks like This is what freedom feels like this is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. You cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side. Forever lift him high. With all creation crying out. This was singing again. Down every wall, we'll watch the giants fall. Fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side, forever lift him high. With all creation crying, God, we praise you. Oh, 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 oh. we praise you. Oh. oh, oh. 
church. Yes, you're so worthy. Oh, we thank you, Savior Jesus. Yes. Yes, we praise you. We praise our unstoppable God. We look to Jesus' death and resurrection as we move towards this Easter season. Death couldn't stop him. The grave couldn't stop him. In his word, it says, God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Amen. Amen. So church, this empty tomb, this is God's great declaration that he indeed cannot be stopped. And so today with a new song, let's praise our unstoppable God with full adoration as we move closer to this Easter celebration. Yes, Father, we celebrate your grace. your mighty ways, Lord. Yes, Jesus. The dark tried to hide you and steal you away. Yeah. Death tried to keep you inside of the grave. Yes, indeed. The enemy you. He tried, but he lost. Amen. Play this. You cannot be stopped. Do you believe that, church? Yeah. Yeah. When we cry for freedom, you tore down the walls. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. The weight of a burdens, you carried it all. We sing it again. You cannot be stopped. Yes, move. Mover a mountain, breaker of chains. Jesus has triumphed over the grave. We'll sing hallelujah. The battle is won. No, nothing can stand against our God. Stand on your victory and shout out your praise. Oh, miracle maker, you're mighty to save. Oh, awesome in power, relentless in love. that can stop our God. No, there's nothing that can stop our God. There is nothing. There is not. Can we declare that as sons and daughters? No, there's nothing that can. When you've experienced the love of God, you know this is true. There's nothing that can stop our. No, nothing's the 
same again There's nothing that can stop our God There is nothing, there is nothing Let's let truth reign in this place There is nothing that can stop our God I believe in the 
God, knowing that even in death, you have the victory. That even in death, you have the victory because of the resurrection. God, that for us today, and for those that have gone before us, death is not the final. God, it's not the final loss. It's just a preparation for the next victory. So God, we just proclaim your victory over death. It has no sting over us. It has no finality over us in Jesus' name. Today, church, in that truth, we have the opportunity to receive communion together. So if you uh, wanna grab your communion elements, if you don't feel comfortable receiving the elements, obviously you don't have to, but if you'd like to receive them, we're gonna receive them together as a church. At the top of your communion elements, it's kind of a tricky little film on there, like a secret compartment for the bread that's in there on top. We're just gonna receive these together in First uh, Corinthians 11. Scripture reminds us that when we do this, when we receive communion elements together, it is us proclaiming the Lord's victory in his return. Knowing that we're not just doing this for the moment, not just for today, but we are proclaiming the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and not just the resurrection, but the soon and coming return of Jesus when he will make all things right. That's what we do when we proclaim communion together. We say, we receive what God has done. We receive the victory of Jesus. His broken body is the victory over our broken lives. If you're like me and you're a broken person, the broken body of Jesus is good news. Because his body was broken so that my brokenness can made, be made whole. And we receive the blood of Jesus, that perfect sacrifice for my imperfect life, that in my imperfection, Jesus' perfect sacrifice lets the Father look at me with perfect eyes, loving Father on a son. So right now, if you wanna receive that together, we're gonna receive the body of Christ represented by this cracker. And we're just gonna take a moment to reflect as we receive that and say, Jesus, thank you that you were broken so I could be made whole. over brokenness you are the perfectness in the midst of imperfection and you are the victory in the midst of defeat we proclaim your death your burial your resurrection and your return the victory that is made ours because of the name of Jesus Christ amen we're going to continue to worship together we have one more song that we're going to sing as we proclaim the Lord's return Oh 
church, sons and daughters, fellow brothers and sisters, and honoring that you are good. No matter what 2020 has to throw at us, no matter what 2021 and years to come, it doesn't change who you are, that you are good through it all. You still reign on the throne. Our God is still in control. You are worthy of this praise. And Father, we thank you that this is an opportunity to encounter your presence with our fellow believers. So, Father, we offer you our whole hearts. Father, we thank you for this transforming love that you offer to us. We glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. There is just nothing like worshiping together in God's house. You know, me and uh, the Buck household, we uh, got stricken with COVID the last few weeks. And let me tell you, we have felt this agape love that this church has poured out on us. And let's do that for each other this morning. Let's welcome each other as family, both at home and in person. Let's do that today. That's what family's for, right? Let's turn to our neighbor. Let's give him a little welcome this morning as we receive God's word. to be here in church this morning. 
I feel like things are moving forward in uh, the world. Things are exciting. Church is good. I'm just happy to be here. My name is Darius. I'm one of the pastors here at MRCC. I am. I just feel honestly so privileged to be a part of our church, and uh, I love worshiping with you guys. I I realize this, and before anyone points it out, it does. I didn't know. I didn't know this when I put this on, but it does look like I grabbed a shirt from Pastor Weston's closet this morning. I got dressed in the dark, so forgive me. Uh, but I have a couple of things I want to talk about that are upcoming things. Because at MRCC, God is still moving, and he's still doing great stuff. In two weeks, we have Easter Sunday. And that's amazing because if you remember where we were at as a church, and I wasn't here yet. I was at another church, uh, but at, at my church I was at as well in Eastern Washington. We were talking about how there's not going to be Easter services in 2020. And now we're here a year later, and God has moved, and he's moved us forward, and he's been faithful, even though it looked bleak. And we're going to have four Easter services in two weeks on April 4th. Yeah, you can clap. That's amazing. So we're going to be very safe. And, and you can watch online at 8 a.m. and at 10 a.m. There will be Easter services online as well. So thank you for joining us online this morning. We can't wait to be with you on Easter. And if you're here today and you'd rather be uh, with Easter online, that's fine. We'll be there at 8 and 10 a.m. And uh, it's going to be really cool. Again, 8, 9, 10, and 11, we'll have Easter gatherings. Oh, it's just it's gonna be an amazing way because Easter is the, it is in many ways the biggest day of the year. Not for the church, but for Christian people. Uh, everything in Scripture before Easter points forward to the moment of Jesus' death and resurrection, and everything after it points back to it. It is the crux of human history. So we get to celebrate that, and it's going to be cool. A couple things that are happening today. One, we've got the Prime Timers Lunch that's happening after the last gathering. So after the 11 a.m. gathering, uh, around 12, 15, 12, 30, we will have the Prime Timers Lunch. Uh, here's the interesting difference between the prime timers lunch and then we have a young adults 20s and 30s event happening tonight So for those two groups if someone is over 65 don't text them They might not be able to open it if someone is under 35 don't text them They'll open it and they will ignore you um, <laughs> I just <laughs> those are two great stereotypes that that ring true for me. So um if you are going to go to the Prime Timers Lunch after the 11, we can't wait to see you. If you're going to come and hang out tonight, we're playing Bunko. We're going to have Cascadia Pizza. Uh, I just am trying to get to know people who are in their 20s and 30s, and uh, we want to make sure that our church is continuing to be a place where young people and young families, whether you're single or you're married or you've got kids or you don't, we've got child care provided for people who've made that life choice. <laughs> for, for everybody who's able to come tonight, we just want to make sure our church is a place where young people and young families uh, can connect and grow. If you don't mind doing this, go ahead and get your Bible out. Go to the book of First Thessalonians, and we're going to hang out there and learn in God's Word together. Thank you, Pastor Darius, and, and again, welcome to everybody joining us uh, online as well as in person. It's good to be with you. Uh, we're making another step in this journey every week, and we're getting there. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Uh, somebody asked me this morning uh, after first service, Pastor Greg, exactly why did you buy that shirt? And I said, no, 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 all the other ones like this I bought, my wife actually gave me this one, which means I have clubbed her into submission, and she's now going uh, my way, but um, 
try not to be too distracted. Uh, it's great to be with you this morning. Welcome uh, again, uh, Easter services for those of you online. The live stream will be at 8 and 10, and then in person, 8, 9, 10, 11. We hope you'll join us. It's going to be a terrific morning. Grab your Bible if you haven't already. Open it to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we're going to start a new journey together for the next six weeks as a church, right through 1 Thessalonians, verse by verse. Now, You've heard me say this before, and you're going to hear me say it again, is that as we grow up in Jesus, we, we need to move to the place where we begin to accept his word on its own terms, where we sit back and we say, Lord, talk me through this passage of your word. Talk me through this book of your word, this chapter. Very often we assume, hey, whenever I have a question, I'll go to the Bible, and that's fine when we're young and growing. But if we want to mature, we've got to come to the point where we come to God and say, God, you speak to me from what's on your heart. You talk to me directly from your word apart from my questions and my thoughts and my insight or lack thereof. And so here at MRCC, we do a topical series and then we do an expository one, which is where we go verse by verse. And so we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 this morning. We're starting. And, and, and let me ask you a question as we get started this morning. What are your deep convictions? your deeply held and treasured beliefs about how things should be, how things should be done, about how we should live. We, we have everyday convictions, but then we have deep convictions. What are your deep convictions? Like, like for example, I have a couple of them I'll share with you. One of my deep convictions is that on Thanksgiving, Pumpkin pie should be bought from Safeway. Somebody say amen, right? <laughs> don't home make it. Don't make it special. We want the mass-produced stuff from Safeway. It's only two bucks a pumpkin pie at Safeway. So on Thanksgiving, the, the pumpkin pie should come from Safeway. Anybody with me? Amen? Yeah? I thought it would be kind of lukewarm on that one. Another deep conviction that I have is that there is a professional sports franchise which shall never be named. They used to be called the Seattle Supersonics, but now they moved to another city, and I have a deathless and undying hatred for that city. I will not speak the name. Every time that team loses, I celebrate a little bit. Every time they're knocked out of the playoffs, we have joy at our house. If the state of Oklahoma opened up and swallowed the city whole, I would rejoice and say, blessed are you, Lord. I have a deep conviction. It is a hate for that team that shall not be named. Obviously, I'm kidding. Obviously, I'm being silly. But, but what are your deep convictions? Do you have any? Can you put your finger on them? Maybe they have to do with your love for your kids or your grandkids. Maybe they have to do with your love and respect and honor for, for your spouse, for your husband, for your wife. Maybe they have to do with how you value friendship and how sacred friendship is. Or, or maybe they have to do with how you handle money or how you do business. Maybe they have to do with how you respect veterans or, or how you treat your parents. What are your deep convictions? And the reason I ask that is because Paul's going to talk about deep conviction here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. But because deep convictions, friends, are what make us more than we would be otherwise. They are what make us immune to fear. They are what make us brave. They are what enable us to live out our faith instead of just verbally affirm it. Deep convictions have real world power. Let me tell you a story. 
In February of 1944, John Kriegshauer was a 23-year-old pilot from St. Louis assigned to fly a B-17 out of England during World War II. 23 years old. Do you remember when you were 23? That old. And returning from a mission with a badly damaged airplane, he realized that he and his crew of 10 early 20-somethings were not going to make it to the airfield. The plane was too badly damaged. And so they started looking for a place to crash land. If you could find an open field in those days, you had a great chance of crash landing successfully. And so they began to look for somewhere to crash, but they quickly realized that they were over a densely populated part of England, the city of Sheffield and its suburban environments, and there there was nowhere to crash. There was nowhere where if they put the plane down, they wouldn't take out dozens of houses or apartment buildings or businesses and take the lives of many people. And so they began to look for any place that might work. And just as they were about to, to, to think there wasn't one, they spotted in the distance an open field. Observers said that uh, Lieutenant Kriegshauer pointed the plane towards that open field as it began to lose altitude. And the problem was that when they got close to that field, which was open on one end and wooded on the other, they looked down and realized that the field was full of neighborhood kids. It was a Saturday morning, and the field was actually a park, the only park, the only open ground those kids had to play in. And the field was full of children playing. They figured they had just enough time to make one pass over the field and try and shoo them off. And so uh, Lieutenant Kriegshauer said to his co-pilot, a guy named Lyle from Twin Falls, Idaho, he said, hey, Lyle, stick your head out the window and wave them off the field so we can land. And, and he tried. He tried. But Tony Folds, who was eight years old that day, remembers that all the kids just thought, hey, it's the friendly Americans. It's our And they waved and cheered and jumped up and down and, and went right on playing. And so John and his co-pilot made a decision. And they turned the plane towards the wooded end of the field. And with the last altitude they had left, they crashed into it. All ten lost their lives. But on that day, not one child lost her life. Every last one of them went home to mom and dad safe and sound. Not one mom or dad lost their life. Every one of them was there to welcome their children home. And to this day, Tony Folds still visits that memorial every week to tend it, to maintain it, to clean it. His eyes still fill with tears when he thinks of what those young men did for him and his friends. That, church, is the power of deep conviction. It enables you to forget about yourself. It enables you to put others first. It enables you to be brave even if it costs you. And the Apostle Paul has that kind of faith in mind in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 because deep conviction like that makes us more than we can be without it. It turns a wedding vow into a lifetime of anniversaries and into a covenant of grace that binds two people together forever. 
It turns people who get pregnant into parents. It's easy to get pregnant. It's hard to be a mom and dad. Somebody say amen. But deep conviction turns us from just pregnant people into moms and dads. Deep conviction makes the weak strong, makes the fearful brave. It makes the weary willing to endure. It turns ordinary human beings like you and me into echoes of the Son of God, living out our faith in all the practical ways that make the difference. So let's listen to the Apostle Paul talk about that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 to 10 this morning. The Apostle is writing to the church at Thessalonica. You may say, what's a Thessalonian? It's a person who lives in Thessalonica. That's why it's called First Thessalonians. We're called Americans. We live in America. Same idea. And Paul is writing to this church that he planted, and here's what he says. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. There's his greeting. And then he says, we always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father, catch this, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus. For we know, brothers loved by God, that He has chosen you. Here's how we know. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit. And here's the phrase, with deep conviction. That's the evidence of the power. It came to you with deep conviction. That's how we know it's real. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we don't need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath, who rescues us just like those pilots rescued those kids that day by living out their deep convictions. We're going to spend some time breaking this passage down the next 20 minutes or so this morning. And let me begin by pointing out that all the real and tangible stuff that the apostle describes in this greeting, their work, their labor, their endurance, all of that rises from what was happening in their spirits. And the reason I point that out is because it's easy to forget that our lives in their goodness are generated by what's happening inside of us. What's going on around us, what's happening through my life is created by what's happening inside of it. Friends, spiritual things are the most practical things of all. They give rise to every cause and effect relationship in our lives. What's happening in our spirits is what produces our work, our faith, our endurance, and so on. Paul wants us to grasp that. And, and let's understand intimately what he's saying. He talks about their work produced by faith. Christians believe that God rewards us for serving people. And so we look for ways to serve people. We remember that Jesus told us that not even a cup of cold water given in his name would go unrewarded. 
We recognize that our calling and our purpose here on earth as his ambassadors is to serve people, friends and enemies. And as a consequence, we work at it. We devote ourselves to the business of serving people. Faith always produces some kind of work. That's its nature. That's why James says over in chapter 2, verse 18, I will show you my faith by what I do. You know, every week here at MRCC, every time we have a, a service gathering, there's three of them on Sunday mornings, every time we have one, more than 40 people are working behind the scenes. More than 40 people are serving so that the rest of us can worship and experience God. Every time you've been touched by God at church, it's because somebody's working to make it happen, whether it's the worship team or the folks who clean the bathrooms or those who pay the bills or those who are caring for kids or those who put up the chairs. And the, I mean, there's a million tasks. And the people who do it don't get paid for it. They do it because of their faith, because of their deep conviction. There's a couple of men in this room right now, Phil and Dave, who, who serve relentlessly week in and week out, and they're uncomfortable with me even calling attention to it. But they do it every single week. And why? Because of their faith. Because there's something in them, a deep conviction about who God is, that produces that. Your insecurity about your own faith will evaporate as you work. It will evaporate as you serve. Paul commends the Thessalonians for that. And then he says, he commends them for their labor produced by love. Now, at first glance, we say, well, what's the difference between work and labor? Well, here's the difference. The Greek word labor is different than the word work. It's the word ergu. And what it specifically refers to is extraordinary and extravagant efforts made because of love made because of what Pastor Weston was talking about, that agape love. L let me give you an illustration. When Rhonda and I were first married 36 years ago, you know, like most newlyweds, young marrieds, we didn't have much. We didn't have hardly any kind of... We had a box spring, and, and a, a kitchen table was an upside-down sewing machine case. I mean, you know, you're poor when you're young. And when that first Christmas came, I will never forget our first Christmas together what Rhonda did for me. First of all, she, she devoted hours and hours, and, and we didn't have a lot of money for clothes, so she went and handmade me a whole set of dress shirts. Not only that, but she got together with a coworker who was an embroiderer, and she had these special little tags embroidered that said, Made with Tender Loving Care by Rhonda Dalton. <laughs> and she gave me on Christmas all these handmade dress shirts with these tags in them, and I was just blown away. I was like, Wow. Part of it was because I almost forgot to get her anything on that first Christmas. True story was on Christmas Eve, I suddenly went, oh my goodness, I'm supposed to have a present for my wife, you know. And that's just how stupid you are when you're young. But her labor was prompted by love, and I would wear those shirts around for the next few years, and you know, i show the guys at work, hey, look at my tag, my wife made this. And they would say, well, how did she choose you? But, you know, <laughs> labor produced by love. You get the idea. It is love for God and for each other that pleases him the most. That extravagant. Remember that woman who came to Jesus and she poured out a jar of perfume worth a year's wages on his feet. Nobody told her to do it. Nobody made her do it. She didn't have to. It was a labor inspired by love. Deep conviction will create that. 
Paul commends the Thessalonians because that was happening in their fellowship. And then he talks about their endurance inspired by hope. You have to understand that whenever you read the word hope in your Bible, it's a little stronger in the Greek than it is in the English. Hope in the English means you hope something will happen, but you're not sure it will. Hope in the Greek, the word is elpis, means you're looking forward to something which will happen. It's guaranteed, it's inevitable, it's going to come to pass. You're just hoping for it in the sense of looking forward to it. So the believers at Thessalonica knew that they were destined for heaven. And so they settled in for the long haul. They were willing to endure. You know, I remember that first time Rhonda and I flew to Europe to take our bike trip. It's been about six, seven years ago. And, and you know, we got on that flight. And it was a 14-hour flight in the air. We stopped at one airport for like a half hour and then went on to the next one. Didn't get off the plane. And, you know, halfway through a 14-hour flight, you're like wishing you weren't flying anymore. Somebody, you know, you, you can't really sleep. And, you know, everybody smells and everybody's cramped and crowded. And you're thinking to yourself, this is lame. But you're also thinking to yourself, we're going to land in London, <laughs> and then we're going to get on our bikes and ride all over the place. And all of a sudden, the plane is, you can deal with it, right? You're like, okay, you know, actually, want to put twice as many people in here. I'm still good, because when we land, it's going to be worth it. That's the idea. There is an endurance that will flow through your life in power when you believe with deep conviction in the promise that God has made to you about your eternal reward. The Thessalonians experienced it. You know, I love in the film, The Shawshank Redemption, you know, the movie that's on 24 hours a day, seven days a week on some channel or other, that film. And at the end of it, the guy who escapes, he has to escape by swimming through a hundred-yard-long sewage pipe. <laughs> and the narrator at the end says, but he did it because he knew what was on the other side, freedom freedom. There is an endurance in a marriage, in a family, in a friendship, in a faith that flows from the deep conviction of our eternal reward. The Thessalonians understood that. And as a consequence, they were capable of it. God wants that for you as well. And then Paul goes on to say in verses 4 and 5, he says, We know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not just with words, but with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. Let me, let me ask us this morning, have you ever considered what are your deep convictions, the non-negotiables in your life, the things, the, the boundaries that won't be crossed because of your faith in Christ. Would it surprise you to know that most people never really do? They never really take a look at their convictions. Jesus said that the faith of some will be like seeds sown on thin soil. It'll spring up quickly, but die away just as fast. Their faith is more of a hobby or a fad or a mood than it is a conviction. And it's shallow because they never really wanted it to be anything else. Here's the way our Lord said it. He said, the one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. The Thessalonians were the opposite of that. They had deep roots. Paul is co commending them for that because of that deep conviction. I, I, I went to Bible college with a, a couple of guys who were who were very shallow about everything. 
You know, they didn't take their Bible seriously. They didn't take their schooling seriously. They didn't take holiness seriously. They were just trying to jump through the next hoop, get over the next hurdle. And I remember thinking all the way through, man, at some point it's got to be more than that. At some point you've got to be all in. This has got to be what you're about. And unsurprisingly, now all these years later, both are divorced, having cheated on their wives, long gone from their calling, long gone from their faith. Why? Because they never sought the deep conviction that God is always seeking to give us. You see, friends, deep convictions like the Thessalonians knew, they aren't born in religious moods or thrills or temporary exaltations. And, and they don't grow from spiritual hobbies practiced by people who think faith is just one part of a well-rounded life. No, deep conviction comes from desperate encounters with God to people who are looking for those convictions Deep convictions come to people who are willing to say, I've got to get real with God because I know this life is temporary, because I know I'm passing out of it, because in my heart there is this demand that I get real with a Father who loves me. That's where deep convictions happen. They happen to people who get serious enough about righteousness to recognize that they're sinners. G.K. Chesterton said, no man knows how much of a sinner he is till he's tried really hard to be good. But then when you do and you find out, then the cross becomes precious. What Jesus has done becomes precious. It makes all the difference. Like the football coaches say, when it comes to breakfast, the chicken is involved, but the pig is committed. <laughs> one of them has deep conviction and one of them doesn't. Listen to how God speaks to this as, as our father in Proverbs chapter 2. Hear his heart. Here's what he says. He says, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Deep convictions come when we begin to look for them, when we begin to seek them. There's a wonderful old story about the Greek philosopher Socrates, may or may not be apocryphal, but a young man comes to him and says, Teacher, I want to become wise. And Socrates said, Okay, follow me. And he started walking through the city with the young man following him. He walked down to the beach, into the ocean, waded out until the water was chest deep, then suddenly turned around, grabbed the young man, put him in a headlock, and dunked him underwater. And he held him there until he began to drink water. And then he pulled him up, dragged him up on the beach, and dumped him and said, Son, when you want wisdom as bad as you just wanted air, you'll have it. <laughs> yeah. There's some of that spirit in this moment. What is it you really want in life? Is it the knowledge of God? Deep conviction grows from that simple desire. That's what opens us to the gift of deep conviction. It's why Paul says that the Holy Spirit creates it. Church, understand something. The most powerful influence in your life and mine, in anybody's life, whether they're a believer or not, even no matter what religion they belong to or religion they don't belong to, 
The most powerful influence in anybody's life is whatever we believe to be true about God. It affects everything. It colors everything. There's a great American pagan religion that says all hard workers go to heaven. And lots of people believe it without even thinking about it, even though nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible says, for it is by grace you're saved through faith, and that not from yourself. It's the gift of God. But if we never seek deep convictions, we'll never know that. And Paul says the deep conviction of the Thessalonians had real world power. Look at verses 6 and following. He says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. And you welcome the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit, a joy that doesn't depend on your circumstances or your situation or, or whether we're still in this COVID thing a year later, a joy that's deeper than that, a joy that sets you free despite severe suffering. You know what? One of the most tragic dangers of this season we're in is that we would become known as Christians, not for our willingness to cooperate, but for our desire to rebel. God says, it looks very different when you have a deep conviction of what Jesus has done for you on the cross. And look at what verse 8 says. Because of it, you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. In spite of severe suffering. The believers in Thessalonica lived with a supernatural joy given by the Holy Spirit because of their deep conviction. We've all been inspired by people who've undergone severe suffering and risen above it. You know, if I can steal a page from Pastor Darius's playbook here this morning, we, we both have a big affinity for Captain America. Captain America's our guy, right? We know he's not real, in case you're wondering, all right? But he's kind of our guy. And, and so, you know, after the, the last Avengers movie and they beat the bad guy and all that, several people come up to me, Pastor Greg, wasn't, wasn't your favorite moment when Captain America picked up Thor's hammer and smacked the bad guy? Wasn't that just awesome? And Everybody in the theater cheered. And I said, well, it was cool, but it wasn't my favorite moment. Not at all. No way. My favorite moment was after that when he still got kicked around and everybody else was defeated and he was the only one left and he had no chance. But he still got up because of his deep conviction and said, I'm still here. I'm still fighting. That's supernatural. It's powerful. To, to take it to a serious level, our church has people who've experienced deep suffering. I think of my friends Jason and Robin Person, who now five years ago had their two-year-old son killed while dad was holding his hand in a car accident in Buckley. Oh, every, everybody's worst nightmare. But their conviction is so deep that it didn't shake their faith. To this day, they continue to worship the God who made them. I think of George and Ruth Graham, whose 20-year-old son was involved in a terrible car accident just three years ago, coming out of Auburn, lost his life. With all the pain and suffering that comes from such a tragedy, their faith remains as solid as a rock. They continue to worship the God who gave them Caleb and who saves them. I think of Katie Lund, who just a year and a half ago lost her husband, Isaiah, part of our worship team, to a, to a heart condition that came out of nowhere and left her with four kids to raise on her own. She lost a lot that day, but she didn't lose her faith. Her conviction's too deep. It's too strong. Paul commends the Thessalonians for that, and it enables her to rise above all that's happened just like Jesus did. It's 
why the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, let us fix our eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. He knew what it was to work. He was inspired to labor. He had the endurance that comes from hope. And so we are saved. Let me, let me tell you a story. And let me ask again, as I tell you this story, what are your deep convictions? Have you allowed God to give them to you? Emmanuel Liga arrived home from work one night at his small home in Lome in Sierra Leone in West Africa. He arrived home from work on that ordinary day to find the police waiting for him. And without warning, he was arrested taken to the police station and questioned deep into the night by officers who would prove to be less than honest. There had been a murder in the neighborhood. They suspected him. And so they threw him in jail without a trial. And the hours turned into days and weeks and months and years in prison without a trial, never having been convicted only accused. He was in that jail for five years and four days and he was innocent the whole time. How would you have felt? The prison he was held in is internationally notorious. Built for 500 prisoners, it routinely holds more than 1,800 and many die before getting out. What did Emmanuel do? (laughs) He believed that God had sent him there for a purpose. He believed that God wanted to use him there. That if he found himself in there, it was because God had a plan in it. As a consequence, in that prison, he became an evangelist, leading dozens of men to faith in Christ. He became a teacher, leading dozens of men to gain their their academic credentials so they could get, get jobs if and when they got out. He became a counselor, sought out by hundreds for his counsel and prayer. So much so that when he was finally declared innocent and got out, he decided to spend the rest of his life going back to that prison to minister to those men. And to this day, he continues as an agent of the American Bible Society, ministering full-time in that prison. That's deep conviction. That's power. And God wants to put that kind of thing in you and me. But it doesn't happen if we don't want it if we're not willing to receive it, if we're unwilling to seek it. The Thessalonian believers had that kind of faith. And if you ever get a chance to grow it, don't run away. It is precious, precious, priceless, rich, and satisfying. It can turn an unjust prison sentence into a life's calling. Imagine what it can do for your marriage, your family, your work, your school, your friendships, your heart. Imagine what it can do. In just a moment, we're going to finish by talking about how we grow those deep convictions. But notice what Paul says. He says, because of their deep conviction, it made it obvious to everyone that they were the people of God. Verses 8 and 9. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. We don't need to tell anything about it, say anything about it. For those people themselves who saw you, they report what kind of reception you gave us. When you have deep convictions, it is obvious to everyone around you. It's a message in and of itself. I came across this meme on the internet uh, this week, a picture of this guy. He says to Jesus, Jesus, should I put a fish on the logo of my business? And the guy says, Jesus says, well, why? And he says, well, then everybody will know that I'm a Christian. They're working with a Christian business. Jesus says, how about if we don't put a fish and see if they can figure it out on their own? You get the idea. Yeah. 
That was the case for the Thessalonians. Everybody said, those are the people of God. It is my fervent prayer that our community would say, MRCC is the people of God. It's obvious that those are God's people by how they serve, by how they live, by how they love. And that's God's desire for us. The Thessalonians were experiencing that. But, but lots of people are more obsessed with preaching the gospel than living it, and so they fail at both. Deep convictions is what makes the difference. And, and so finally, Paul says, verses 9 and 10, you, you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Deep convictions will rescue you from a meaningless life. When Paul says to the Thessalonians, you turn from idols to God, he meant you turn from wasted, nonsense life that makes no difference to anyone eternally to a meaningful life filled with satisfaction and fruit and significance. A Japanese magazine nature writer wrote about the strange case of a five-year-old albatross named Diko. This is Diko on the screen. A conservation group trying to save endangered species had scattered more than a hundred wooden decoys in the Izu Islands off the coast of Japan to get the last few albatrosses together so they could breed, but Diko fell in love with one of the wooden decoys. For two straight years, he tried to woo the wooden decoy. He built her a nest. He chased off all potential rivals. He swam in circles around her, showing off his colors. He stood by her side for hours, hoping to catch her eye. <laughs> Finally, the conservation group gave up on Deco. They said he seems to have no desire to date real birds. <laughs> and when you don't have deep convictions, that's what your life looks like. One more sports event. One more hunting trip. One more effort to be one of the cool girls. Round and round, meaningless, endless, empty. Deep convictions makes the difference. They will rescue you from that. So as we finish this morning, last couple minutes together, how do you grow those deep convictions? Four things will be done in four minutes. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Choose to seek them. Say to yourself, you know what? I want deep convictions. I want to be able to do what those young men in that airplane did because it matters. Jesus said, seek and you will find. Seek and you will find. Proverbs in chapter 2 that we read earlier says, when you want it, you'll begin to get it. A couple of weeks ago, I went into QFC to the pharmacy, had to pick up a prescription, was running a bunch of errands, got my prescription, got back out to my car in the parking lot and realized I didn't have my glasses. I need my glasses mainly for driving. And so, uh, where's my glasses? Oh, I left them at the pharmacy. So we've all been there. I get up, I go back into QFC, I go to the pharmacy, wait through the line again, get up. Front. Hey, I think I left my glasses here a few minutes ago and I picked up my, can you guys look around? Everybody's looking around, no glasses. I'm like, that's crazy. I know I had them when I came in. So I retrace my steps through QFC, check out the poultry aisle, check out the bread aisle, go to the soda rack, looking for my glasses, ask the checker, hey, did you see? No, nobody's seen glasses. I'm going, that's, they've got to be here. This is dumb. Go out to the parking lot, walk your steps back and forth, you know, look in the parking lot, see if anybody set them somewhere. I'm thinking the whole time, they've got to be here. And then accidentally, I brushed my hand across the front of my shirt, and they were hanging from my collar, right, the whole time. <laughs> I knew they had to be there, so I kept seeking, and I found. So it is with you and me when it comes to deep convictions. Seek and you'll find. Number two, get honest. 
Get honest with God. Everyone knows he's there. Everybody does. The only question is whether you'll admit it to yourself and get honest and real with him. Paul writes in Romans chapter 1 that God's eternal power and divine nature are clearly seen by everyone, being understood from what has been made. You've got to get honest. You've got to say, you know what, God? I'm going out of here, and I need to get serious with you. The third thing is to give up on being hip. <laughs> You're going to have to give up on being hip if you want to grow deep convictions. Jesus put it this way. He said, how can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? If all you're worried about is what other people think of you, good luck. You'll never know a labor inspired by love. You'll never know endurance inspired by hope. You'll never have deep convictions. But if you say, God, I want to live for you, for an audience of one, that's when deep convictions begin to grow. Once upon a time, you thought your high school hairstyle was cool. <laughs> yes, you did. Now you wish all evidence was destroyed because being hip goes nowhere. Deep convictions can't grow there. And then finally, the last thing is to remember the future. The Bible says every man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. If Jesus is your Savior, you're looking forward to passing that judgment and an eternity at the Father's house in glory. If Jesus isn't your Savior, there's no other way to pass that judgment. Are you going to get serious about that? Are you going to get real about that? Are you going to admit to yourself that that destiny lies ahead of us? That's where deep convictions grow, in that kind of moment. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. And when we think of what those pilots did on that Saturday morning, and we think of how much it meant generations alive because of them. Then, God, there's part of us that wants to be strong and brave enough to do the same thing. And you teach us that that only comes from you, that that is a, a deep conviction that flows from the Holy Spirit. God, inspire us to seek that. Help us to choose to seek those convictions. If you're here this morning and you're a believer, you look forward to an eternal heaven. So put away your fear and seek the conviction that leads to courage. That's what your Father's inviting you to do. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, then the only way you're ever going to overcome the pressure of this world is to have a conviction that goes beyond it. And right here and right now, God is ready and eager to meet with you. If you will simply open your heart and say, God, I, I, I know you're there. I've always known. I confess that I have done wrong, that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to be my Savior. I, I receive Jesus, your Son, as my Savior. You can make that choice in this moment. God will hear you. He loves you. He's always sought you. And in this moment, you can open your heart to him. He's listening. You can go ahead right now. God, we pray that our lives would be brave and filled with the fruit of deep conviction. Teach us to seek you for it. We pray that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, friends? Those of you at home, no need to stand. You can stay right where you are. It's great to be with you. Remember that the visible things in your life flow from these invisible things. 
Now may the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit go with you throughout this week. Go with God. Tell someone you love them. Have a great afternoon, friends.